Welcome to First Line. My name is Aubrey Ann Jackson, and I am a student doctor in my last year of medical school. First Line brings listeners of all backgrounds together to discuss whole body health and wellness through an osteopathic lens. First Line covers tangible ways to improve your health, how to succeed in medical school, and various topics in healthcare, including mental health, all while holistically addressing the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Hi everyone, this is part two of a series on personal statements. I recommend listening to the other episode before this one, just because it talks a little bit more about why personal statements are so important and shares some of the common mistakes that are made with writing a personal statement and takes more of a overview of the personal statement and what the purpose of it really is and how to how to approach the personal statement. Then this episode talks a little bit more about specifics. I'll discuss more about talking about certain topics that are often included in a personal statement, like talking about your hobbies and extracurriculars, um, as well as mentioning any red flags that you have. And I also talk about more of the logistics of how long your personal statement should be, so that you can start drafting and you know what to aim for even before ERAS opens. And then I have a lot of suggestions for how to brainstorm ideas for your personal statement. You can absolutely talk more about your hobbies and extracurriculars during medical school and how they connect to your specialty and why they will contribute to the kind of physician you will be. But again, you are not summarizing your CV. You're instead acknowledging the significance of a few highlights of your CV. Especially if you've done a few things that are exceptional during medical school that you don't want to be overshadowed by other things on your CV, you can absolutely emphasize those points in your personal statement. You should have your personal statement serve as a standalone document so that someone could understand you as an applicant without reading your CV. You have to kind of assume that residency programs may only look at your personal statement as a way to screen applicants. So you want to make sure that's very strong. You still want your personal statement to tell enough about you as an applicant and your your strength as an applicant as if that's all they had. But of course, if they're impressed by your personal statement, then they're going to read your CV. Some of you may have what is considered to be a red flag. So this could be a professional violation in medical school, which can happen to anyone. It could be a leave of absence for any reason. It could be like maternity leave. It could be, could be a medical leave of absence. It could be due to mental health reasons. Another red flag could be a Comlex or USMLE failure that you had to attempt a second time, maybe a course failure in the preclinical curriculum, or maybe a failed rotation. These are things that applicants are really worried about their candidacy for residency because, you know, there's a lot of applicants who don't have red flags that programs could easily consider over them. Then I hear so many different tips about, oh, you have to 
you have to include your red flag in your personal statement and you have to include an entire paragraph explaining your red flag and how you grew from it and things like that. Then I see some tips that are like, oh, don't talk about your red flag at all. They'll see it in your application. So what what is the correct thing to do here? Well, I really don't have the solution either, but it's completely up to you. It's, it's a very personalized decision of whether you whether you need to address the red flag in your personal statement, I'd be on the side of mentioning it so that you can reclaim it as a positive based off of what you learned from it and how you adapted to whatever challenge that it provided. But you shouldn't take too long on this. It should be a few sentences probably, depending on really what it is. But it should not be the sole focus of your personal statement. Your personal statement should overall be very positive. It should not focus too much on the negatives at all. And when you phrase your red flag, you phrase it as a positive. But you acknowledge if you, if you did something wrong, you have to acknowledge that what you did was wrong. But say how you what you did afterwards and how you improved, how you adapted. And you should link this part of your personal statement to another part of your personal statement so everything flows together instead of seeming like a random insertion where you're like, okay, now I'm going to talk about my red flag and now I'm going to go back to the major theme of my personal statement about why I want this specialty and why I'd be a good candidate. You don't want it to be random like that. You want it to flow all together. And this is really hard to do. Let me just say that it's hard to do. But if you have a red flag, you'll probably have to spend more time on your personal statement. It's just a fact. Be careful about giving the programs you're applying to a new red flag by speaking about an illness or a mental health challenge that they would otherwise not know about. So this can be done appropriately if you focus on how it's an asset, but for many applicants, this can appear to be a point of vulnerability that the program may be worried about. So proceed with caution if you're going to share how having a personal illness impacted you to choose a certain specialty or how you had a mental health challenge, which this is super common, especially in psychiatry personal statements that someone will disclose a mental health diagnosis and talk about how it gave them empathy for patients. And this can be done the right way, but I would, I would really ask you to reflect if you really need to include it. For some of you, that answer will be yes, I need to include it. This is part of who I am. This is part of my story. But for others, it kind of feels like just something that you could use as as an example of experience that links to your specialty, but it wasn't too instrumental. It's just the only thing you can think of. Then I would challenge, try to dig a little bit deeper and don't just fall back on an illness or a mental health problem that you had during medical school. I'd look a little bit deeper. But for some of you, the answer is going to be, yes, you do have to include it. And there's a right way to do that. And there's a wrong way to do that. Again, you have to make the personal statement so positive. And that should always be the overarching goal. And with that in mind, then you'll know if you should include it or not. This episode of First Line is sponsored by TrueLearn. TrueLearn is an exam prep company best known for their smart banks that turn your weak areas into your strengths. I decided to partner with TrueLearn because it is the only company I trusted for preparation for Comlex Level 1 and Level 2. 
Each True Learn Smart Bank practice question has detailed answer explanations and succinct bottom lines to get the big learning takeaway. For my listeners taking the USMLE, True Learn also has an amazing USMLE Smart Bank. If you are in your third year, TrueLearn also offers smart banks for shelf exams and Comat shelf exams. Go to TrueLearn.com and use one of my special discount codes for up to $35 off your subscription. Special discount codes can be found in the episode description. Always include a last paragraph or a second to last paragraph that details why you are interested in that program in particular. So for a lot of these, you can use basically the same paragraph. doesn't have to be personalized for every individual program on your list, but you should maybe do that with your top programs. It makes a big difference. Let me tell you with my interview invites, it makes a big difference personalizing it to a specific program. Some programs even look for this. So make sure that you're aware of that too. So this paragraph is where you can outline what in particular about the program attracted you to apply in the first place. And to do this, you can look at the program website or attend open houses to get more information, um, attend meet and greets. These are often pretty early in the season before ERAS applications are due. And you want to really focus on what the program is proud of and what is unique about that program instead of making it seem very generic. At the very least, um, if you're not personalizing it for every program, you can group programs based off of geographical areas and then include a sentence that describes your connection to that geographical area or why you want to live there. And the more specific you can be, the better. So if it's near your hometown, say where your hometown is and that you would like to be near your hometown, insert reason for that. Maybe you have family who live there. Say who in your family lives there and that it would really help support your training if you could live near family. Maybe you attended undergrad or medical school or you've worked in that area before and you can say that you're just familiar with the area that you've visited X number of times or you've lived there for X number of years. Anything that you can include um, is really beneficial because a lot of programs want to know that the residents actually are interested in moving to the area so it's not a wasted interview invite and they want to know that you are interested in staying in the area that maybe you'll work for the hospital maybe you'll join as a faculty member after you graduate so they want to see that you have a reason to want to go there and then they may also want to see that you want to stay there too. You can also craft similar sentences that explain your interest in attending a program in a rural area and only include that sentence for the programs that you're applying to that are in rural areas, of course. And then you can either take that out or include reasons why you want to live in an urban area for those urban places. Of course, you shouldn't lie about this. If you really don't want to go to a rural area, don't include that in your personal statement at all. But if you're open-minded, you can include different iterations of that personal statement. You can also include a sentence about your interest in academic programs. If you're interested, you can say you're interested in teaching or the research opportunities. And then include that sentence for programs that have those opportunities. And obviously, you can take those sentences out if the program doesn't offer those opportunities because they're going to know 
that you're not going to be a good fit there. You're not going to be happy there because it doesn't meet your expectations for a program. Many programs are going to be looking for these types of sentences. So especially those rural programs, they're probably going to skim personal statements looking specifically for candidates that want to go to rural programs because they probably get hundreds of applications from applicants that really want to go to urban areas, but they just add a bunch more programs to their list because they're told by their advisor they should apply to X amount of programs, and they don't really care about this program, but it's a backup for them. So they want to know that the applicants they are going to offer an interview for are going to want to go to a rural program, especially. So they may use different phrases to screen personal statements based off of words like rural or a state's name. So that's why you want to be specific with what you are looking for in this paragraph. Your last paragraph, sometimes your second to last paragraph, you can interchange this with the paragraph talking about what you're looking for in a program. But one of your last paragraphs is going to include your future goals. So for this, you want to think in general terms where you see yourself after residency because this may change during residency. You might change your mind. But Think just generally about it and try to connect it to the type of residency experience you want to pursue. So this is where you can include if you're interested in inpatient versus outpatient, rural versus urban, academic versus community, any fellowship aspirations you have, if you want to be involved in teaching or research once you're in attending, if you want to be involved in advocacy And these are things that may not fit anywhere else in your personal statement. For some of you, you're going to have themes that you're going to be able to, like I said, connect the past to the future, and you can include this as you go along. But if, if you're not really doing that, then this is where it goes. So think about what you want to prioritize in your future practice. Do you want meaningful patient relationships? Do you need to do advocacy? Do you need to serve a certain patient population or do you want to serve a diverse patient population? Do you want to become a leader in your field? Do you want to teach medical students? Do you want to research a specific topic? So try to think of what your goals are. And residency programs love to see this type of detail because when they interview you they can present different information about their program that fits what your goals are so it helps you too it helps not only make yourself seem like you have a vision for your future so you know that entices the program to want to interview you but it also helps you because that interview experience is going to be tailored to what you actually want to hear because when you're at that interview stage, then you're interviewing the program just as much as they're interviewing you. But with the personal statement, it is a one-way communication at this point, but you want to know that down the line, it's going to be a two-way communication. So it helps to really present yourself authentically. I talk a lot about personalizing things to different programs to make it seem like you're a good fit for them, but ultimately you do want your personal statement to not hide your actual aspirations just because something else is going to look better. You really want to be authentic. So really show that when you're talking about your future goals. Because if 
you do have this very specific future goal about researching this specific topic and a bunch of programs will want to interview you, but none of them offer you that stream to that goal, then that's going to be a waste of your time anyway. So if you do have something specific, you really want to include that in your personal statement because you want to know from the get-go that this program is going to support you in that or they're not going to support you with that. And I've encountered that so many times on the interview trail that my interviews were very much personalized to who I was, that I expressed in my personal statement and my CV, and they were able to be relevant to what I was looking for. I am now providing personalized assistance specifically to medical students. I can help with editing your CV for away rotations or other opportunities. I can aid in revisions for your personal statement. And when the time comes, I can help you edit your ERAS application. I will catch your grammar and style mistakes and also provide feedback on content revision so you can craft documents that make you more competitive. There are so many expensive services out there that charge hundreds to thousands of dollars on reviews, which is why I am offering a much more affordable service with different price packages based on your needs. While many services out there are led by staff members who are years to decades removed from their experience as medical students, I am uniquely positioned to help you as someone who has been through this process myself in the last year or two and as someone with professional writing and editing experience. This is the type of service I wish was available to me. I know what it takes to make you stand out and I know what residency programs are looking for. In addition to listening to my past episodes with tips on navigating applications, Use the link in this episode description to learn more about the services I offer for individualized help. In addition to these editing services, you can add on a brainstorming session or a strategy session if you are lost and want to talk one-on-one with me about strategy or how to approach your personal statement. I also have an option right now with opting for one day delivery. That's a 24 hour turnaround for any review that you need. Okay, so I know a lot of this is very general. I have to speak in generalities because the personal statement is personal. I can't tell you exactly what to write because it's going to be different for each person, but I can kind of talk about what should roughly be used. But this next part is a little bit more of the logistics of things that you can, that you can actually implement when writing your statement. It's more of the technical standard. So first of all, Your personal statement for residency should fit on one page. I've heard a lot of people say if it goes a few sentences onto the second page, then that's fine, but I kind of disagree with this. I think it should just fit onto one page. There's no reason why you can't edit your writing to make it more concise to tell your story and to do everything that I've talked about in this episode so far into one page. Really, if you 
are onto the second page, it just means that you have not spent enough time editing your personal statement. And that's something that is especially really great to get a second pair of eyes of someone who knows what what they're looking for in a personal statement to suggest some edits because as the writer of your personal statement, you probably think that every single word that you use is super important. So having another set of set of eyes really helps with that. Then it comes to the point, okay, what is actually a page? What font size? What font am I using? What margins? Because one page can be very different for different people. So it's important to know that once you enter into ERAS, you can only enter text without formatting it yourself in any meaningful way. So it kind of chooses the font and the font size and the margins and everything for you. When you do a copy and paste, it only paste the actual text. So when you're writing your personal statement and editing it months and months before ERAS even opens, then it helps to format your Word document so that it appears the same way that it will once you copy and paste into ERAS. So the closest I could get to simulating what this looks like is to use Calibri font, size 11, in a Word document without tabs at the beginning of paragraphs and with one line of space between paragraphs. When you go to paragraph options, the space after paragraphs should be set to zero and you should use normal one inch margins with 1.15 spacing. Alternatively, you can also just look at the number of words or characters that you're using but this is going to vary based off of like how many paragraphs you're including. So counting characters may not be as beneficial as just including this formatting and seeing what it actually will look like. But if you do want to just start writing and to just have a ballpark to look for, my personal statements, since I had several that were personalized, were between 530 to 560 words. And all of them fit on one page and all of them looked as if they filled a page. Because that's a problem too. If you are only using half the page or three quarters of the page, it looks like you don't really have much to say. And you're you're losing the opportunity to say more. So you really do want to fill up a page. The most characters I had that fit onto one page for one of my personal statements was about 3,800 characters. And that includes spaces. So let's say you're listening to this episode and you have no idea where to start. I would first encourage you to try stream of consciousness writing. This means that you will get out pen and paper or open a blank Word document and just start either writing or typing. This means put down whatever comes to mind when you ask yourself some open-ended questions. A few you can think of could be what draws you to your specialty, When was your aha moment about your specialty? What qualities or skills do you have that will allow you to excel in your specialty and in residency in general? What about your specialty are you most excited about? What characteristics of you and in previous experiences or interests you have can connect with your interest in your specialty? What kind of resident do you see yourself being? What kind of residency program are you you most interested in? Where do you see yourself in five years, 10 years, 20 years? Where do you want to practice? And are there any red flags you have to address? And if you do, what were those red flags? 
and how did you how did you approach that challenge and how was that challenge beneficial to who you are in your candidacy for a residency be okay with your first draft ending up being scrapped you may not use a single sentence of your first draft and that's completely okay part of the writing process is deciding what not to include Hopefully, your first draft will inspire the ingredients for a better second draft, but you have to be okay with deleting a lot, especially early on. For me, I felt a lot better when I I had a separate Word document where I put everything that I deleted in case I wanted to come back to it and, and include some elements of that um, into my personal statement back again, um, but I ended up not using that document at all. I never really grabbed from that document but that could be an option if you feel better doing that. Remember, personal statement crafting is not just about content, grammar, and sentence structure, but also about tone. You don't want to seem insecure or pretentious. You want to seem articulate, professional, and mature. This is a huge reason why it helps so much to have mentors you trust to look over your work. In addition to the tips in this episode, I also want to help you on an individual basis because that's much more helpful than hearing advice that is general. Check out the link in this episode description to access my listing on Fiverr for more information about my personal statement editing service. I even have a special brainstorming add-on service if you are starting from a blank Word document. I believe that personal statement editing is so important and unfortunately many services you find online charge hundreds to thousands of dollars. That's why I chose to offer help because I have significant professional writing and editing experience and I am offering the services at a much more affordable price. Many other sites have staff members who are years to decades removed from the application process. I was just in your shoes so I know what program directors want to see. I received so many compliments on my own personal statement during interviews, and I believe this was because I was intentional with crafting an excellent statement. I'm looking forward to helping you do the same. You can follow Firstline on Instagram at Firstline Podcast or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Firstline Podcast. Stay tuned for a new episode every Monday.